Welcome to the City Alliance Church Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our messages. Our prayer is that you would listen, learn, and be inspired to love God, love others, and serve the world. Subscribe and share these messages to bless others. Here's this week's message. Our scripture this morning is from Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. And they say this, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath, the Sabbath day, and made it holy. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you so much for your word. How it instructs you, instructs us to know who you are and what you require of us. And Father, we are so thankful that by your great grace and love, all you require of us is that we come to you receive it. Father, I just pray that you would be with Brandon as he speaks your word this morning and instructs us how to live in a way that brings us the blessings that you desire for us. I pray that you would by your spirit speak through him and that your spirit would also be helping us to put down the walls, the defenses, the noise in our heads that keep us from hearing from you. That you would penetrate those walls and speak to our hearts. We pray in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. director here. Uh, it is so good to see you guys this morning. Usually I am I'm not the big like gymnastics guy on stage. That's usually Nithin. He's all moving around. Uh, but it's kind of cold up here. I'm not going to lie. So you might see me moving around more than normal. Uh, Should have put a parka on or something. But uh, I'm excited to be with you guys this morning. We're in our third week of Uphill Habits. We're starting out 2022 uh, talking about intentional spiritual habits help us become more like Christ. Nithin started week one talking about fasting and casting a vision for uh, a church-wide fast, uh, the Daniel fast, which Nithin just mentioned. And last week, uh, we talked about a rule of life, and a rule of life is a a set of intentional uh, habits curated to keep your priorities your priorities. And this morning, we're going to be talking about Sabbath. Uh, But what is Sabbath? Sabbath comes from the word Shabbat which means to stop. So to Sabbath literally means to stop. So we're going to be talking about what that means in our cultural context, looking at what the Bible talks about Sabbath. But before we do that, I just want to pray for us this morning. God, I thank you that you are God. I thank you that you are in this place. I thank you that while the temperature is cold, the spirit uh, is full of fire, God. And we thank you for your word that is alive and well. Let your word speak this morning. We pray this in your name. 
in you. Now, we talked about uh, Sabbath being stopped. I don't have to convince you that this world could use a, a stop button, right? We're in a worldwide pandemic. We're moving all over the place. There's economic turmoil. There's record high rates of anxiety. Uh, I'm sure we could all relate to the idea of needing a stop button, needing a pause button. But before we dig into uh, Sabbath and stopping, I want to ask you guys a question. What, or maybe a better way to phrase it, is how is your memory? It might be a weird question to ask as we're digging into Sabbath, but hold with me here. We just celebrated the new year, 2021 to 2022, and uh, with the new year, usually people use that to, to reflect on and remember the previous year and celebrate the upcoming year. Uh, a few years ago, my family, we constructed a habit of specific questions we ask each other to remember the previous year. We do that every January, and I've grown to really like that practice because it's in remembering the previous year that we can properly uh, rejoice in the good things and properly lament in the bad things. Because uh, although the past years have had some ups and they've had some downs, we've really grown in the ability to remember things in a way that is, is special. Because when the reality is, when I remember something, it's different between my wife being happy with me and my wife wishing that my memory was not so, well, a little bit better, right? When people gather together to remember uh, a recent deceased person, the flood of emotion uh, in remembering that person, it's almost as if those emotions coming together in remembrance is, is the only way to trigger true healing. When we gather to remember something special happens. Uh, but don't take my word for it. The Bible actually has a lot to say about memory. First uh, Chronicles 16 uh, David, in a prayer of thanksgiving, calls us to remember the good works of the Lord. Paul, in his letter to Timothy, he says, remember Jesus Christ and that he, raised from, he was raised from the dead. Jesus introduced communion to his the apostles by saying it was a way to remember the works of the cross. Uh, and if you really look into it, the whole Old Testament is just full of God commanding his people to remember. Right? And so, in one of those ways that God calls his people to remember is to remember the Sabbath. Jamie just read uh, Exodus 28 through 11, uh, but I'm going to read it for us again here because uh, this is right in the middle of the Ten Commandments. Maybe you're familiar with the Ten Commandments. Uh, you know, do not kill, do not commit adultery. Uh, you might have seen those. Actually, I'm pretty sure uh, city kids, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a Ten Commandment uh, sign in the back, so hopefully we're familiar with it. But I'm going to read uh, 8 through 11 again for us, and then we'll dig in. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work. You, your son, your daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock, or the resident alien who is within your city gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. First off, I, I find it fascinating that this, this command is, is so long. Uh, like I said, there's, there's famous commands, do not murder. The, that command only has three words, right? Do not kill. 
the command to not commit adultery has four words. The command to, to honor your father and mother has roughly 25 words. But uh, God's command to remember the Sabbath, depending on your translation, has almost 100 words. And I'm not a logistic scholar by any means, but there may or may not be something to the, the focus that God has on remembering the Sabbath and how many words go into that. So I'm glad that we're spending so much time. But verse 8 says, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. As I was doing some research on the Sabbath, I came across this awesome quote uh, that just really jazzed me up. It's Old Testament scholar Walter Bugerman. He said that the Sabbath is an act of resistance. The Sabbath is an act of resistance. Now, you might hear that word resistance, and you automatically go into war mode. You get your sword out or whatever, and in some ways, that's, that's justified, right? Because there's a lot of enemies of Sabbath in our life. Most of us in our pocket have a device that constantly reminds us of the things that are going on, the things that we're going to miss if we stop. Our news feed is always telling us that even when we stop, things are happening, so we need to keep up with them. There are so many enemies of the Sabbath. So in some ways, an act of resistance makes sense. But I just said that Sabbath means to stop. So how did, does resisting and Sabbathing correlate? Because when, when I add a resistance band to a workout, I'm, I'm not stopping the workout. I'm actually adding tension to it. So the, the idea of resisting and stopping coinciding is, is odd at best, right? So, so what exactly are we resisting by stopping? We are resisting, I would argue, the pressure to always be on. I find it uh, ironic or fascinating that uh, as I was reading about Sabbath, that the setting of a factory continually came up. People would talk about factories and, and machinery. And I think it's because machines don't stop. We can have them continually run forever, 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 24-7. And just like machinery, our culture, if we let it, will have us run 24-7. Our bank account will always want us to get one more dollar. Our boss will always want us to send that one last email. But Sabbathing is resisting. Sabbathing is resisting the echo in our head that says, I am what I do. Sabbathing is resisting that little whisper that says, I am only valued at what I produce. See, as God commands us to remember the Sabbath, I, I want us to remember uh, or point out that the Sabbath helps us to remember three things. And I, I want to point out these three things because I think in remembering these three things, it can help us in our long obedience towards Christ. If, if you're new to church uh, here, you might have heard us use that phrase, a long obedience in the same direction a couple times. Uh, we try to use that phrase as an anchor because Eugene Peterson used that phrase to describe discipleship. He said discipleship is a long obedience in the same direction. So as a church, we are, are set in our long obedience in the same direction. So our hope is that habits such as fasting, habits such as rule of life, habits such as Sabbath help us in our long obedience towards Christ. So let's dig in. The first key that I think Sabbath helps us to remember is that Sabbath reminds us that God is God and we are not. 
Sabbath reminds us that God is God and we are not. In his, in his book, Common Rule, we actually posted that on social media, uh, author and lawyer, uh, Justin Early, he calls us back to the garden, and he reminds us that in the garden, Adam and Eve had this perfect relationship with God. They were walking in the garden with, with him, and even in that perfect relationship, they felt the tug to be like God, to eat the fruit of knowledge of good and evil, to equate themselves with God. And if we're honest, we feel that same pool today. We believe that we have the right to tell you who we can and cannot sleep with. We believe that we have the knowledge and the final say of how we should treat thy neighbor. As humans in this fallen world, we constantly feel the desire to be our own God. But Sabbathing reminds us that God is God and we are not. We see this in the, the very beginning of the Ten Commandments. Uh, we didn't read it, but uh, Exodus 2 says, says this. It says that uh, I am the Lord your God. This is God speaking to his people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. And so that, that's fascinating that God starts out his Ten Commandments, the big ten, not with commandment number one, because that starts in verse 3, but in, in verse 2, it's a reminder of who he is. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of slavery. His first command not being a commandment, but a call of remembrance. And I, and I believe God does that because he is telling his people that the weight of his command is not in the command itself, but in the weight of who he is. He's saying that that not just for the Ten Commandments, but for everything God says, his ways is the best ways, that we must follow his ways because he is the one who brought his people the way through the Red Sea and into freedom. You see, in Sabbathing, we remember that God is God and we are not. We remember who God is. The second idea that Sabbath beckons us to remember is this idea that God is our ultimate provider. We see this in a plethora of scriptures, but let's, let's take a look a couple chapters before Exodus 20 and Exodus 16. Exodus 16, we see the entire Israelite community uh, in the wilderness of sin. And this is the wilderness, this is the area where the, the Israelites spent their entire Exodus journey. And uh, we see here in Exodus 16, the people, the Israelite people, they're, they're complaining because, well, they're in this, this season of Exodus and they're, they're just walking around, and they don't have pretty much anything. A, a pastor right before, they were complaining to God, saying, we don't have any water. God provides water. But that's not what we're, we're looking at right now. I just want to give you a little backstory. So there's complaints that, that God, they didn't have any water, and God provides springs of water. And in this passage, in this moment, they're complaining that they don't have any food, right, which, which is kind of ironic because, as I just said, they complained they didn't have any water, and what did God do? He provided they, said that they say this in verse 3, <laughs> which is pretty dramatic. Side note, anyone at, know anyone dramatic in their life? If you didn't raise your hand, maybe you are the dramatic one. Uh, but I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure uh, most of us uh, know someone dramatic in, my, in your life. And I just see these Israelites being super, super dramatic right here. They're saying, if only we have died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt. 
when we sat by pots of meat and ate all the bread we wanted. Instead, you brought us into the wilderness to make this whole assembly die of hunger. In other words, what they're saying is we would have rather died slaves because at least we had food, but instead you had to set us free and now we're just going to die? Sounds pretty dramatic, right? They'd rather be slaves because at least they have a chicken nugget, right? I don't know where that chicken nugget came from, but at least they have a chicken nugget. They'd rather be slaves with food than die free. But this is the Lord's response. He says this, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. This way I will test them to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, when they produce what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather in other days. Now, there's a, there's a lot of good stuff in this chapter, but just for time's sake, I'm going to jump to verse 11. It, uh, it says this. It says, At twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will eat bread until you are full. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. So at evening, quail came and covered the camp. In the morning, three, there was a layer of dew all around the camp. When the layer of dew evaporated, there was fine flakes on the desert surface, as fine as frost on the ground. Now, real quick, I want to point out again that, that God, in his, in his command to his people about food, he reminds them about who he is, right? He says that, I'll do this because then you will know that I am the Lord your God. Continually, we see the importance of God's people remembering that God is God and we are not. But we already talked about that, so let's, let's continue this idea of the idea that God is our ultimate provider. Because verse 23 says, He told them, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Make what you want to make, bake what you want to bake, and boil what you want to boil, and set aside everything left over to be kept until morning. Now, it's important to note here uh, that they, they said that in, in the week prior, they, they kind of kept uh, some of the food, some of the, the manna, because they were nervous that it wasn't going to last. They didn't trust what, that the Lord was truly going to provide, so they kept some, they put it in their pockets, right? And in that prior week, the food they kept in their pockets, the food they kept in their tent, it spoiled the next morning. It, it did not taste good. It smelled really bad. Uh, so what Jesus is saying, what God is saying here is that you can keep extra food in your pockets, actually keep twice as much for the Sabbath day, and I will bless it. I will keep it good. Don't work on the Sabbath. I will provide for you. You see, in this idea, in this passage, we see that God provided for his people. I highly encourage you to, to take a look back at Exodus 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, because that whole chunk of of chapters is actually really good insight of who God is and some insights of who we, of the things that we tend to do in response to who God is. But uh, ultimately, that passage reminds us that God is our ultimate provider. And in looking at different resources on Sabbath, I was reminded that author Jake Mudor, who's a great uh, just thinker and cultural guy on analysis, and he said that Sabbath is a practical lesson on trusting God. Anglican priest Tish Warren declared that Sabbath is an active dependence on God. 
So Sabbath reminds us that God is God and we are not. It reminds us that God is our ultimate provider. Uh, and thirdly, Sabbath reminds us that rest is a gift from God. We see this truth in Mark chapter 2, and I'm going to be pulling from John Montcormer's book, uh, Garden City, for a little background here. But in Mark chapter 2, uh, the Pharisees, they have the idea of keeping the Sabbath holy and remembering the Sabbath. They have it all mixed up. Uh, John Montcormer points out that uh, the Pharisees, they had this idea of remembering the Sabbath, which is good, right? But then they create a fence around. They created rules around the, the Sabbath so they wouldn't break those rules. But then they created rules around those rules so they wouldn't break that rule, so they wouldn't break this rule, so that they would remember the Sabbath. And, in other words, it's kind of like I go over to a friend's house and uh, they make this apple pie, and I love apple pie. It smells so good. And my friend says, please don't eat the apple pie. So in my head, I said, okay, the rule is to not eat this apple pie. But in my head, I'm like, all right, I'm going to create a fence. Not only should I not be, eat this apple pie, I'm going to not be in my friend's kitchen. Because if I'm not in his kitchen, I can't eat the apple pie. But I'm going to take a step further. I'm not even going to be in my friend's house. I'm not going to commune or hang out with my friend. Because if I'm not in his house, I'm not in his kitchen, and I can't eat that apple pie. How ridiculous is that? Because now I, I'm no longer with my friend. Now, I will say that train of thought is helpful if you're trying to avoid a temptation such as alcoholism. But in this thought process of keeping the Sabbath, that idea of fences with fences with fences is just foolish. John Mark Homer pointed out that by the time that uh, the Pharisees are talking here in Mark 12, there are 613 commandments in the Torah. But on top of that, there is a Mishnah, which is an oral law, that had 1,500 rules. Any uh, big rules people here following all the rules? If that's the case, then you got 1,500 in these oral uh, law that you can follow to the T. But there was 1,500 rules in the oral law. These were fences among fences among fences. And in Mark 2, we see Jesus taking a moment to remind the Pharisees, to remind his apostles where rest comes from. It says this, this is in Mark 2. On the Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to make their way, picking some heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? He said to them, Have you ever read what David and those who were with him did when he was in need and hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar and the high priest and ate of the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except for the priest. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he told them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So then, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. In short, in that, in that uh, little story, Jesus and his disciples were doing the equivalent of just snacking on some corn. They're walking through this field, snacking on some corn. And the Pharisees try to call him out for breaking the law. Uh, and say, what are you doing? You're breaking the Sabbath. And, and Jesus takes the time to remind them of David and to remind them where rest comes from. The Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So like Sabbath reminds us that God is God and it reminds us that he is our provider. It reminds us that he is the source of the gift Now, I intentionally uh, made that last point last uh, because I want to dig into 
some some nuances and examples of what it looks like to to Sabbath because because uh, Sabbath was made for man, not man for Sabbath. Uh, we we get that, but what what does that really look like? Uh, as uh, over the years, I've read uh, multiple books where different pastors or authors will talk about Sabbath and. Uh, for some reason, actually it makes a lot of sense, but they, a lot of them start their 24-hour window lighting a candle. Uh, and and that's, that's really cool. You, you know, you, it symbolizes the presence of God. It's got a cool aesthetic to it. But I read so many people talk about lighting the candle as a, signi- uh, a sin- uh, signifying the beginning of Sabbath that I honestly started to believe that any true follow- follower of Jesus had to start their Sabbath lighting a candle. And if I didn't start my Sabbath lighting a candle, then I shouldn't even Sabbath at all. I kid you not, I honestly believe that because I read so many people starting Sabbath with a candle. But then I realized that I was slowly beginning to have that same thought process the Pharisees had, that I was putting rules upon rules. So I, w- I want to talk about that. There's some nuances there. We, we can start Sabbath with a candle, or we can not start Sabbath with a candle. Because if you remember, verse 8, 9, 10, and 11 doesn't say anything about lighting the candles. In short, the call for us to remember the Sabbath is to remember the Sabbath by not working because the Lord rested after he created everything. So uh, the first nuance that I want us to, to be aware of is to beware of the fake Sabbath. Beware of the fake Sabbath. What do I mean by that? I think that the fake Sabbath can come out kind of in a two-headed monster, and the first-headed monster can be a Sabbath full of a bunch of rules without intentionality. I was talking to a friend a couple days ago, and they said that their Sabbath, their Sunday, they went to church every Sunday. They had a, a big lunch with their family. They had some rules of no TV. But as she remembered that all these rules, but they never talked about intentionality. They never talked about why they were doing it, why they remembering the Sabbath. So the first two head of the two-headed monster of a fake Sabbath is a day full of rules without a remembrance of what the Sabbath was for in the first place. The second head of the two-headed monster of a fake Sabbath is, is the idea of a glorified day off. You see, oftentimes we can glorify, we can use Sabbath as a glorified day off and disguise it as just a day to be lazy. Right, uh, but I have a question for you. While while sometimes you know watching TV is 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 not bad, um, how many people feel incredibly healthy after they binge a whole season of Netflix or watch eight hours of football? I don't. I don't see even any hands. That's right because. I hate to admit this. I've been that eight hours of football watcher or binging a, a season in Netflix, and you don't feel spiritually healthy, emotionally healthy, mentally healthy. But we keep going back to it. For but that's a different sermon altogether. But we don't feel in those things. Why? It's because laziness and rest are not the same thing. Lounging and rest are not the same thing. So when we talk about Sabbath, beware of a glorified day off. Don't just view Sabbath as a day to lay on the couch. Don't just use Sabbath as a day to binge watch that new season of, uh, on Netflix. Beware of a day full of rules, but beware of a day full of laziness. But how do you avoid a, a fake Sabbath? Pete Scazzaro, uh, who we mentioned uh, many times uh, from the pulpit, he offers four things that he believes 
a biblical Sabbath as. He believes that uh, a biblical Sabbath involves stopping, resting, delighting, and contemplation. Stop, rest, delight, and contemplate. For me, what does it look like? So uh, my Sabbath is on Fridays. My, my, my stop involves me not answering any emails. I don't open the Slack app on my phone. Uh, I run our social media for the church, so I don't peruse our church IG feed. Uh, rest usually involves me sleeping a little bit more. I have a slower morning because I really just enjoy a slower morning and, and the delight. Every morning, uh, I, every Sabbath morning, I try to start it with uh, making coffee with my Chemex, and I love just letting the fact that these coffee beans can turn into a delicious cup of caffeine goodness mm, uh, through the Chemex. <sighs> Maybe if you're not a coffee person, you can take your time and, and make a slow-cooked meal. But uh, my contemplation usually involves a book that is good for the soul, and I usually try to avoid sa uh, social media. I don't have a strict no, no social media policy because I want to avoid the legalism aspect of it, uh, but I try to avoid it as much as I can. So for me, that is how stop, rest, delight, and contemplation work into to account. That's some ways I try to avoid the fake Sabbath. But the second nuance I want to uh, tackle here outside of the fake Sabbath is the idea of stopping from work, right? Uh, Exodus 20 says that remembering the Sabbath is stopping from work. But what is work? Last week, uh, Nathan talked about a rule of life, that work is anything that you feel like you have to do. There's nuance in that because what you have to do differs from person to person. What do I mean by that? For example, right now, my stage of life, I really enjoy mowing the grass. I got a head nod here, but actually I thought I was going to get some eye rolls here because some people hate mowing the grass. You know what? That's okay. But for me, in my stage of life right now, I love taking uh, our yard that has overgrown grass and uh, sidewalks don't look good and cutting the grass and making the sidewalk and edging the sidewalk. I love the redemptive and restorative aspect of that. So for me, when it's warm outside, because no one's mowing the grass right now, when it's warm outside, Mowing the grass is restorative, it's restful for me. But the idea of mowing the grass for you just might make your blood boil. And like I said, that's okay. So maybe there's something else that you can do for you to find rest, right? Maybe, uh, actually, here's a, here's a quote that might help you kind of structure what rest could look like for your life. There's a Jewish Sabbath guru, Abraham Joshua Heschel, which is an ultimate Jewish name right there. But he said, if you work with your hands, Sabbath with your mind. If you work with your mind, Sabbath with your hands. So what does that look like? If you're a uh, construction worker, maybe Sabbathing looks like getting lost into a novel. If you are uh, someone who works in accounting and you're working uh, with your brain all day, maybe Sabbathing involves making a puzzle, putting a puzzle together, or playing pickup basketball with some friends. I think that that key of mind and hands is not necessarily a magical code, because like I said, uh, a book is usually 
uh, really good for my Sabbath, and I tend to work more with my mind than my hands. It's not a magical code, but I think it really is a great stepping stone to helping us think about how we can Sabbath well. The third and final nuance that I want us to talk about in Sabbath is the idea of, of the season of life. Because the reality is, we all go through different seasons of life, and sometimes Sabbathing is easy, and sometimes Sabbathing is hard, but there's also times where Sabbathing is not practical. In my life last year, um, last spring, I was finishing up my master's degree, and I was trying to write my capstone, and Sabbath was not very practical because I had to spend hours and hours extra writing my capstone degree to finish out my degree. So in that short season, I was not Sabbathing, and I was okay with that because I knew it was for a short season. I knew it was from this date to this date, and that was it. For some of you, uh, and actually none of you here because you're watching online, you have a young baby with you. And you're probably thinking, great, Sabbath, my baby cries all the time. Uh, Sabbath might be really tough for you this season. Yeah, and, and that's okay. You might be trying to fit Sabbath in your life, and, it, and it's just not that season. But if, if you find yourself in that season, I want to encourage you uh, to use a process that actually Nathan's going to talk about next week. Uh, and I don't know if he has a technical definition for it, but it's basically uh, ankles, knees, and weights, right? You go into a pool, and if you're going to the ramp, first your ankles get wet, then your knees get wet, and your waist get wet. If you're, if you're in a season where it seems like Sabbath is tough, I want to encourage you to use this ankle, knees, and weights uh, test out. So if you're in a season of that, let's try the ankles, right? Let's wait and get your ankles wet. Maybe you can only do a couple hours of Sabbath, right? If you're married and have a spouse, talk to them. What could those couple hours look like? If you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, maybe you can talk to your spouse and you can go out for a couple hours. They can watch the kids and you can really delight. You can really rest. Maybe if you're past the ankle stage, you can go. You can keep getting wet into the, the knees. You can get up to a half a day. You know, maybe you can't right now do a whole day for whatever reason, but you can do a half a day, right? But as we go down the ramp, the idea then is to get to uh, waist or uh, in this scenario, uh, head deep and go 24 hours of Sabbathing, 24 hours of remembering where rest comes from and that God is the ultimate provider and that God is God and we are not. For my college students out there, which none of you guys are here uh, because it's really cold and it's the 9 a.m. service because they, they, they come back, but I want to encourage you that Sabbath is possible for you too because I know you guys feel the pressure that your, your value only comes from your academics. So you feel like you have to study and, and work really hard because you're not a good college student unless you're always studying. If you're not always saying, I'm busy. But let me tell you, Sabbath is possible for you too. When I was in college, I felt really convicted uh, to, to fit Sabbath uh, into my life my senior year of college after someone shared about Sabbath. So I decided that from noon on Friday to noon on Saturday, I wasn't going to do any kind of homework or studying because in college, uh, that is your primary role. You have to do that. So I decided from that, from noon to noon, I wasn't going to do any homework. And, and sometimes that was really hard, whether groups wanted to do uh, study groups or I had a test on Monday or whatever. But you know what? I made it work and I graduated, right? And made it made it work. Sabbath is possible in all seasons. Uh, but if you notice when I'm talking about Sabbath, I kept on using the word practice, practicing the Sabbath. As we remember 
to practice the Sabbath. Practice, practice, practice. That's intentional. That's intentional because you're not going to get it right the first time. Right? And that's okay because Sabbath happens every week. So if you don't get it right this week, try again next week. If you don't get it right next week, try again the following week. We get to try over and over and over again. Now, that's not just a free permission to forget about this week because you can do it next week. Don't get me wrong on that. But it is permission to give yourself grace that if you screw it up, if you don't get it right, if you're confused in how you do it, just try it this week. And then if you don't get it right, you can try again next week. But as we try to Sabbath together, I want to remind you that on top of remembering that that rest is from God and that he is our ultimate provider and that God is God and, and we are not, I want to remind you that Jesus doesn't call us to be perfect. He calls us to abide in him. So as we practice Sabbath, let's, let's remember that truth. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are God and we are not. I, I thank you for the gift of Sabbath. And, and for some of us, the idea of Sabbath is, is uh, alien-like and, and far out. And for some of us, it's something that we've heard for, for years because we grew up in the church or we've just seen a bunch of books on the topic. But I just pray that you convict us to think about what rest looks like in our life and not just a, a rest uh, disguised with a lazy afternoon or a rest that is full of rules with no remembering of where rest comes from. But I pray that you, you convict us in a way that we rest in you. Much like your words say in Matthew 11, that we lay our burdens on you, that we come to you for rest pray you rid uh, our soul of the legalism of this, that, and over here for Sabbath, and that we, we seek to rest in you because you call us to it. And we know that your ways are the best way because you're the one who brought your people the way through the Red Sea into freedom, God. We thank you. Your ways are good. Teach us your ways. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that today's message encouraged and inspired you. If you live in the Williamsport region of PA, we'd love to engage you in person. You can find more information on service times, city groups, and our incredible kids and youth ministry at citylions.org. That's citylions.org.